Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. When I was in college at Houston Baptist University in 19, none of your business, <laughs> I saw a won't ad in a newspaper for Stop and Go. It's a convenience store, much like Circle K and 7-Eleven today. For the millennials and Gen Z's among us, you can Google won't ads. The reason that I was attracted to the one ad is because of two things. One, I could earn money working 11 to 7, the graveyard shift, and then go to school during the day. And two, they offered tuition reimbursement if you maintain a 2.0 average. So I applied and was hired. And um, about three months later, I was promoted to the training manager. Uh, in the Northern District there in Houston, 27 stores. So I was responsible for training all of the 11 to 7 shift operators for those 27 stores. After I worked there about nine months, I was robbed. It came about 2.23 a.m. in the morning. In those days, they did not have the large shields that they have today, all of the excessive cameras, etc. And so you were just... Uh, open um, book for people to do whatever. At 2.23 a.m. in the morning, four young men came. Uh, two were Caucasian, two were Latino. One stood by the door to make sure no other traffic came in. One stood in front of me with a long knife at my chest. The other one came behind the counter, put a knife to my throat. And the other one had two bags and he was collecting beer and medicine and cigarettes, et cetera, et cetera. The one in front of me said, open the register. I opened the register. It was $11 and some odd cents. He says, I know you got more money than that. And I said, no. He said, pull up the register. Pulled it up. There was nothing there. Because we were taught, and I taught, that if you got over $20 at the 11 to 7 shift, you drop the extra money into a safe. And he said, you got to have more money. Where is the money? I said, it's in the safe. He said, well, open the safe. I said, well, I can't open the safe. I can get you $20 now, and I can get you $20 in two more minutes. He said, oh, you're trying to be funny. And he said to the guy behind me, cut him. Cut him right now. Cut him. And um, as I was defenseless and feeling like the inevitable was about to happen, I started to defend myself. And right about that time, a car drove up into the parking lot. And it disturbed everything that was going on, and of course they rushed out. I tell you that story because that story and a couple of others in my life has caused me to be very sensitive to my surroundings and that there is true evil in the world. And so everywhere that I go, still impacted by that story, um, I check out my surroundings, whether I'm in a parking lot, in a store, uh, in a church, wherever, because I'm hypersensitive to my surroundings. This series, Daily Battles, equipped with the armor of God, is designed to shake us and wake us to the fact that we have a spiritual enemy, and that's why we have spiritual armor. 
It's not designed to scare us, but to sober us. It's not designed to scare us, but to sober us. Because unfortunately, we either overestimate the devil and blame him for everything and not take personal responsibility, or we tend to underestimate the devil and not um, think that he really exists. And so this series is designed to shake us and to wake us, not to scare us, but to sober us. Because unfortunately, many believers, uh, many Americans in general, live in a sort of a protective bubble. And we are either willfully or woefully ignorant of the evil that is around us physically and especially so spiritually. So what we want to do in this series is help us in these daily battles to be equipped with the spiritual armor of God. And so Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 these words. This is our text. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand in your place fully prepared, immovable, victorious, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Wrestling in the ancient world, as it is in modern world, was hand-to-hand combat. It was face-to-face, and the wrestler had to have firm footing. If you didn't have firm footing, then, of course, you would be an easy defeat. And so what I want to talk about today is the shoes of the gospel, and it's captured in one word, confidence. That is our word for the weekend, confidence. Can you say it after me? That's our word for the weekend. Because when I have solid shoes, then I can be confident as I walk through life and certainly in my daily battles. Here is the sermon in a sentence. Wearing the shoes of the gospel of peace, wearing the shoes of the gospel of peace produces peace and confidence against the daily battles of life. It produces peace and confidence in the daily battles of life. But, 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 forgetfulness of the gospel, sloppy understanding of the gospel, and unresolved fear will inflict avoidable wounds. We cannot afford to be to forget the gospel or to be sloppy in our understanding of the gospel and unresolve our fear because it will inflict avoidable wounds. And so let me talk about two or three things of how do we actually practically fight these spiritual battles. Number one, as a Jesus follower, you and I have already been equipped, but we must engage our spiritual armor. 
We've already been equipped, but we must engage our spiritual armor. When I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I have been equipped with spiritual armor. It's a package deal. The aorist tense of this particular word, put on, means that something has been done once and for all. So put on the full armor of God, verse 13 says, means it's put on and I never take it off. It's put on and I never take it off. The battle will be more intensive from time to time. It'll be more intense this time than it is this time, or more intense this season than it is another season, but I never take it off. There are no vacations when it comes to the spiritual armor. It is a mindset, and it's a package deal when I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I went to KFC a few days ago to buy a chicken dinner because my wife would not fry me chicken at home. Isn't that a shame? She, had never, she says, if you want fried chicken, you can go to KFC, you can go to churches, you can go to Popeye's, Bojangles, whoever. But it's not going to be here. She'll bake it and she'll broil it, but she will not fry it. And so I have to actually sneak out <laughs> and get me fried chicken because she won't do it. So anyway, I went through the drive-thru and I got the fried chicken. I said, no biscuit and no drink, please. And they said, well... You're paying for it. What kind of, do you want a biscuit and a drink? What kind of drink? I said, no, I want no biscuit and no drink. It's going to be the same price. I get that. I just want no biscuit and no drink. What she was trying to say in her kind way, sir, it comes with the package. You might as well have it. It just comes with the package. And so the active voice says that I, the subject, must do something. I must engage this armor. I'm equipped because it's a package deal, but I must engage it as well. Let me give you another example. How many of you have a car? How many of you have an engine in the car? Oh, you have an engine in the car. Guess what? It comes with the deal. The engine just comes with the car. Once you buy the car, the engine is in the car. But if I don't start the car with the key, then the engine will not work. It's there. It has tons of power, but it will lie dormant if I don't engage it by starting the key. And that is, that's the way it is. Jesus' followers, we've been equipped with spiritual armor. We put it on. We never take it off. It's a package deal. Now, I'm older than most of you, and so uh, my hero was Superman. And you know this Superman, Clark Kent, always had on an outer garment, but underneath it, he had on his super cape. He never took it off. He engaged it when there was a battle, when the town was in trouble, when the bad guys were uh, in, um, uh, wreaking havoc on a town, he would then change out of his outer garment, but he always had that super cape on underneath. He never took it off. It was a package deal, but he engaged it during battle. You don't believe me? Watch this.
I like that. <laughs> you never take it off. We're equipped, and then we have to engage it. Here's the second thing. When we are engaged in daily battles, we are maintaining the captured ground from the enemy's attack. We've already won the victory. We're now maintaining the ground. That's all we have to do. We maintain the ground. This phrase, that you may be able to stand, is a military term, which means you've already captured a certain territory. All you have to do as a soldier is maintain it. And that's what we're doing in the daily battles of life. We already have the victory because we serve the only general has, who has declared that the war has been won before even one battle has been fought. We have the victory. We maintain our ground. So how do I fight spiritual battles? How do I actually engage and fight spiritual battles? Three things, and I'll take my seat. First, we have to recall mentally and intellectually the gospel. Recall mentally and intellectually the gospel. Remember, recall mentally and intellectually, internally, the gospel. And in order to recall it, that means we have to know it. We have to remember it. I want you to look at this phrase. People don't fail to remember they remember what they can never forget. I want you to cogitate on that. People don't fail to remember. They remember what they can never forget. That's why I know my ABCs, because somebody made sure that I could never forget them. And they drilled me over and over and over with repetition, repetition, repetition. That's why I know my multiplication tables because somebody made sure that I would never forget. And therefore, I remember it. That's why I know my phone number because I have drilled it in my head over and over again, intellectually, mentally, so that I never forget. And when it comes to the gospel, it is incumbent upon me to understand and really know the gospel in all of its essence, which I'll talk about here in a minute, and never forget it. Because that's what I need to recall if I'm going to engage in my daily battles. Paul says it like this, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the what? The gospel, because it is the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. If you're not Jewish, that refers to all of us. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from clue, faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let me give it to you in this extrapolation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the continuing power of God for salvation to everyone who keeps on believing, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from one level of faith to another level of faith, just as it is written. The righteous will keep on living by the faith. Tragically, Many Jesus followers only learn to live, experience, and enjoy the elementary level of faith. We have peace, 
with God. And that's a good thing. But we don't <clears throat> graduate to having the secondary element of faith, and that is to live with the peace of God. And so I have to recall the gospel in order to do that. The Greek word euangelion, euangelion, you is what we get good news. It's, it's the word eulogy from, to say something good. Angelion is where we get our word messenger or angel from. The gospel, the euangelion, really is a message of power and good news of a new king and a new kingdom. I need to recall that if I'm going to have confidence in my daily battles. And here are the five key elements. These are the five key elements that I must remember about the gospel. They're all centered in Jesus Christ. One, I remember his human life. I remember his human life. Two, I remember his divinely inspired teachings. I remember his divinely inspired teaching. I have to recall that. Three, I have to recall his substitutionary death his substitutionary death. Four, I remember his victorious resurrection, his victorious resurrection. And five, I remember, I recall his glorious second coming. Those are the five key elements that I must remember, I must recall mentally and intellectually, and they will give me confidence to fight the daily battles. All right, here's a test. Number one, I have to recall what? His human and secondly, his, not just his teaching, his divinely teaching. You agree with me that Jesus Christ knows more about living than any man that's ever lived, don't you? And since it is he that's originated life and in death he will terminate life and in judgment he will evaluate life while we breathe, he perpetuates life. It only makes sense that he ought to operate our lives. So he's not just teaching, but his divinely inspired teaching. And then secondly, thirdly, it's his what? Substitutionary death. All of us are going to die, but none of us die in our place, our own place. Jesus was our substitute. He took our place, so the wrath of God passes over us. And he who knew no sin, no shame, no guilt became sin so that we might have the righteousness of God. We recall his substitutionary death. And then we recall his what? victorious resurrection because whatever is holding you down, he's already stood up on it. And whatever I'm going through in my daily battles, he's demonstrated that he can rise above it. And then I remember his what? Glorious second coming. If I believe he came the first time, he keeps his word, he will come a second time. When I remember those elements of the gospel, you know what it gives me? Confidence to fight the daily battles of life. Here's the second thing. Not only recall mentally, but I respond to that gospel with my external actions. I respond with my actions. Respond with my actions. Let me give you one example. Fear. Fear. When I am struck with the arrow of fear on any level, that is an attack from the enemy. How do I battle that? I recall the gospel mentally, intellectually, and then I respond to it. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 10, 28. 
And do not be fearing anything from the ones killing the body, but not able to kill the soul. But be fearing instead the one being able to destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. Gehenna was a dump outside of a given city in the ancient world. It's where they put trash and burned it in the fire. Jesus was saying to them, don't be afraid of the person who can only kill the body. Be afraid of the person who can kill both the body and the soul. My problem is when I'm attacked by fear that I am more concerned with being light than being right. Let me say that again. I lose daily battles when I'm more concerned about being light rather than being right. And I am guilty of being afraid of those who can only kill the body and not who can kill the body and the soul. My question is, when I'm, when I'm attacked with fear, is am I more concerned with God who can kill the body and the spirit or with human beings who can only kill my body. I have to engage it. I have to respond to it when fear comes. If you're a church leader, if you're a leader in your home, if you're a leader in school, at any level, if you're a leader on the job, then you have to be more concerned, not about what other people think, but about what God thinks. Not about what other people can do, but about what he can do. Else, I'm going to lose the battle. I said I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you a second one. Death. When we are facing death, and all of us will, when we get a diagnosis, we don't know if we're going to live or die. A loved one's going to live or die. Then I have to respond. And how do I respond? I recall the gospel. I recall it in all of its five key elements. And then I remember this, what the apostle said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. And that's good news because we're all going to die one day. But I don't know if God is going to heal me from one sickness to another. But if he doesn't, for me to live is Christ and he allows me to live, I'll continue to live for Christ. If I die, that's still a gain. So I respond. I respond through my actions. Let me give you a frightening fact about Satan. It's people related as well. Here's a frightening fact. Do you know sometimes people are unwitting or unknowing tools of the devil? Unknowing, unwitting tools of the devil, but I have to recognize it. I have to recognize it. I'm giving an example about the apostle Peter. Here's what Jesus said. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples, it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and the scribes to be what? Killed, but also be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, oh no, Lord, this would never happen to you on my watch. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Cephas. No, get behind me, Peter. No, he said, get behind me. Yeah, because you are concerned about things that concern humans, not the thing that concerned God. Unwittingly, unknowingly. And many times they don't even mean it but they can be a hindrance in my daily battles. But I have to recognize it 
when I respond to the gospel. And here's the last thing. When I recall mentally the gospel, and then I respond to it through my external actions, you know what I need to do then? Just rest and receive his peace and his confidence. Just rest and receive his peace and his confidence. That's all I have to do. It's a package deal. And when I am equipped and when I engage it, when I recall mentally and intellectually essence, the elements of the gospel, and I respond to it in my actions that if I'm being attacked, just rest and receive his peace and his confidence. Again, let me lift a transcript from Peter. I love this story. I laugh every time I read it. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across Kedron Valley, the Kedron Valley, where there was a garden, and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Jesus took a, Judas took a company of soldiers and some official from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and he came there with lanterns, torches, and what? And weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it yet that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and what? fell to the ground. Just saying, I'm he. They stepped back, fell to the ground. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. Let these others go. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's uh, servant's ear and cut off his right ear. He was actually aiming for his head. The guy ducked. He caught his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. The text says Jesus picked up the ear and put it back. And then Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? I love that. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking when they said, Jesus said, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He said, you found him. I'm the one you're looking for. And when he said that, they stepped back and fell to the ground. That's when I believe Peter pulled out his sword. <laughs> because Peter surmised, hmm, if at his word they fall, then it emboldened him, it gave him confidence to try to fight. But he was fighting the wrong fight. But it emboldened him, it gave him confidence. Let me close with this. When you recall the gospel mentally, and his human life and his divinely inspired teachings and his substitutionary death and his victorious resurrection and his glorious second coming and you respond with external action, it will give you the confidence you need, the firm footing you need in your daily battles. That's why I like what the songwriter says, when trouble is in my way and I can't tell my night from day, 
When I'm tossed from side to side like a ship out on a raging tide, I don't worry, I don't fret. God has never failed me yet. Trouble comes from time to time, but it's all right. I'm not the worrying kind because I've got confidence that God will see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. Job was sick for so long that his flesh fell from his bones, his wife, his cattle, his children. Everything that he had was gone, but Job in his despair, he knew God still cared. He had sleepless days and sleepless nights, but Job said, it's all right because I've got confidence. God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know he's going to fix it for me. I almost feel like preaching. Some people may wonder how you smile, even when you're going through trial. They may ask you, how can you have a song when everything is going wrong? But you tell them, I don't worry, I don't fret. God has never failed me yet. Yes, trouble will come from time to time. It's all right, I'm not the worrying kind because I've got confidence that God will see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know, I know, I know he's going to fix it for me. Some of you can lift transcript from your own experience because you know it. And I have that kind of confidence because of the gospel. It gives me firm footing. I don't know where you are in your daily battles. You're fighting something related to health or relationship or finances or in your profession. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. You can live with confidence because of the power of the gospel. I've been equipped. It's own. If I dare engage it, I would live with confidence. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Father, help us to be mindful of our surroundings and the danger that lurks. Shake us and wake us as we study your word, not designed to scare us, but to sober us. That we do have an enemy, but we've been equipped with the armor. So I pray that you would help us to recall mentally, intellectually, the gospel. And if we don't know it as well as we should, help us to delve into it and then respond through our actions and then rest and receive your peace and confidence. We thank you that you have given us this protection. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus, our Savior, do we pray. We praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.